Well, good morning, folks. And here we are. This is the Fools on the Hill. Now, we've been, um, we've been sitting on this hill as a load of fools for quite some time, since the beginning of the year, on and off. We've come down now and again to do something else, but uh, now we come to the final part. So this is the final part of the series. One of the great advantages of, um, of being able to teach this sort of series, and being part of it, is that you have to go and dig into it. And as we've gone through it, I have learnt so much that I've never learnt before. And you, what we're trying to do is not listen just to the words, but to get the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus, to hear his heart. If you think that this sermon is a theological treatise, you're missing it. It's a message to people. It's a message to people. And it should warm our hearts, as well as give us a little bit of trepidation as well, as we will see. But, you know, I, I couldn't let this go without at least paying some tribute to the inspiration of the title of this thing. So let's just see if this goes. Day after day. Right, enough of that. <laughs> you could just see, now you could see, you could see there's a certain generation of people who were singing that, you know. For, for people like them and me, that is pure nostalgia. For the young people, younger ones amongst you, who don't know the words, it's an education. <laughs> That's Paul McCartney, by the way, singing Fool on the Hill. And, and actually, it's a very profound song. And actually, it isn't out of place when we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. So now we're going to, uh, we're going to look at this, these last verses, Matthew 7, verses 21 to 29. So... Let's read these verses now. Is there anyone who'd like to uh, like to read read that out? Just call it out from the screen. Anyone? Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons?" And in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the steams, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thank you very much, Jane. Beautifully read for us. Thank you. 
I think that's, uh, that's really good. But I'd like to read it again now from the message. The message, for those who don't know, the message is a paraphrase. It's not as accurate as the New International Translation, but it's a bit more pithy. Pithy. It's a, an interesting word, isn't it? Pithy. Right, so I'm going to read this, read the same thing from the, uh, from the uh, message. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What, what is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment. Thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house, it was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus con concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They'd never heard teaching like this before. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Good, isn't it? Yeah, I hope, hope you'll burst into great applause and say this is a great teaching. <laughs> Probably not, never mind. Um, I just wanted to call this, this is a title I like to call it. I wanted to call this talk, The Generous Boundaries of God. Now, that may not be obvious to you um, from the scripture, but this is, this is what I wanted to call it, because it moved me somewhat. But as, I, as we have gone through the Sermon on the Mount, if you go right back to the beginning of the Sermon on, on the Mount, you find it says that um, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, sat down with his disciples, sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So what it appears is that Jesus was getting away from the crowds and he goes up into the mountain, his disciples come to him and he's teaching them. So he's beginning to teach those who really follow him. Now, when you get to the end of Sermon on the Mount, as we read today, it says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. So it appears that something's changed during the period of this talk, that he starts off with his disciples but ends up with the crowds. Now, I've got a bit of speculation here 
that actually, so this isn't, this isn't the word of God, but you can listen to this and then you can argue with me later. But my, my feeling is that as he goes through this and he sees that his audience is changing, that his teaching reflects that, there's a change in tone from the beginning to the end. And I think that's partly because some of those crowds would have been the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and he starts to change from, in, into something that, that starts to speak starkly about these people. So, so as, we, as we go through it, you know, I just thought very quickly reviewing, you know, it starts off with the Beatitudes. Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are in those... Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And, and it's saying happy, joyful, blessed. It talks about being salt of the earth, light of the world. It talks about Jesus not coming to, not coming to about the letter of the law, but being the fulfillment of the law. It talks about murder. Well, it says that in my Bible. He's not talking about murder at all because he's talking about the motives and attitudes behind us. He's saying that it's not, you don't actually have to murder someone to be guilty of this. It's the attitudes that you have. It, and then he goes on to adultery. And again, it's not just the act of adultery that's the problem. It's the attitudes of our heart, the lust of our heart that, that pr provokes it. So every time he's picking up on the law and then taking it right down to motives and attitudes right the way through. He talks about divorce. He talks about the words we say, eye for an eye. The Old Testament talks about revenge, eye for an eye. If you, if you kill one of my family, I can kill one of yours, type thing. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. What we've got is a new law here. This is, this is, this is about the motive of your heart. And it goes on into forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness. And then he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And we had, uh, those of you who were here last Sunday evening, we had Malcolm Barnes last Sunday Colin. evening. Colin Barnes, sorry, Malcolm Barnes, sorry. <laughs> Colin Barnes, yeah, Colin was here. And he was a real, he, he, he was dancing about literally. Um, I'm rather static compared with him. But he was dancing around literally. And he talked about the Lord's Prayer saying, here were his disciples and they were, they, 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 they'd heard him pray. They'd heard the intimacy, the love of his prayers. And they said, how can we pray? Show us how we can pray. How can we pray? How can we lift our hearts up to God in the way that you do? So he says, this is how to pray. And he teaches them about prayer to the Father. It's not about, oh God, it's our Father who art in heaven. Even that we can turn into a ritual, which we do so often. It's meant to be, you know, just an expression of it. Talks about fasting, but he then talks about treasures in heaven, don't worry about what, what you, what the food you eat, the clothes you wear, because God's going to provide for you if you get your attitudes and motives right. And we, we talked about uh, asking, seeking, and knocking a few weeks back, that if we ask God for something, he will give it to us. But then last week, uh, two weeks ago rather, Terry came and spoke to us, and he he began to, the, the, the tenor of it changed a bit. And he talked about, uh, he talked about 
false prophets. He talked about the narrow way and the broad way. How it's, if we go down the broad way, leads to destruction. Destruction! It's talking not just about, well, it's better off if you go this way than that way. It's talking about the broad way that leads to destruction and the narrow way that leads to life. So he's really now saying that, that following Jesus is not just a case of saying, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Amen. Now I'm saved. It's about a walk, a path, going through a gate, going down a path. One goes to destruction, one goes to life. And I think probably um, we may not always choose the broad gate. You drift through it because it's the easiest one to go through. You drift through the broad gate. And Jesus is saying, actually, the way to life is a narrow gate. And then we heard about false prophets and, and how we can listen to people who, who say all the right words, but their hearts are not right. And I, I think we should be beware and be discerning. We can have people teaching us, and they can have all the right words. They can have studied the Greek and the Hebrew, which is the most difficult thing of all because they know and if they, if they want to lead us off the path, they can do because we, we can't argue with them. And, I mean, that puts me in a position this morning to be really, have to be really careful because I'm in exactly that position today. I don't want to lead you down a path that's, that's the wrong path. But it's so easy to be like that. We have to guard our hearts. So... <clears throat> So today we come into this, uh, this, this next bit. And this time we're talking about false prophets, and um, not false prophets, what I call false proclaimers. From false prophets, the people we listen to and follow, to false proclaimers, the people that we are, what we are. So uh, we're going from false prophets to false proclaimers, from unsound teachers unsound hearers because it says it says you know I, I prophesied in your name doesn't it I, I cast out demons in your name I did miracles in your name and I mean it's difficult to get your head around that isn't it that that unless unless I'm in Christ how can I do these things but I think it's I think we, we're quite capable of putting up a good show and I think that it's uh, whether, or not, whether or not these people really were casting out demons, I don't know. Whether they really were doing miracles, but there was a good show going on. And we can be like that. We can be our ministry, what we see, what you do, is really important to us. And Jesus says to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, that is extraordinary, if you think about it. Who impresses you the most, you know, when you, you with preachers? Someone who's eloquent, understands, got all the Greek, has got all the Hebrew, can tell you what it is, you know. And it could be that Jesus is saying, depart from me, I never knew you. The word for knew, uh, what's it? 
Gnosta, oh, I can't remember it now, because I'm not a Greek scholar. <laughs> I go to a book. It means having an intimate relationship with. All right, so it's not just about seeing, seeing your face in the newspaper. It's about having an intimate relationship. I never had an intimate relationship with you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Okay, get out of here. And, and I do, do want to say this, you know, I've said it before. Jesus speaks more about judgment and about hell, dare I say the word, than any other person in the Bible. Because Jesus is, is aware that there is a reckoning for all of us. And I think this is where it gets serious. I can, I can, I can ask Jesus into my life, but unless I follow Jesus, unless I'm obedient to his ways, that doesn't, I'm not guaranteed anything. So Jesus says this, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Now, what does that mean? Because a lot of theologians get, into a real, get their knickers in a twist if they wear them, but um, uh, over this, because doesn't Paul say we're, we're saved by faith alone? But here Jesus is saying, unless you obey my commands, then, you know, if you obey my commands, you will obey my teaching. And <clears throat> we miss the point, really, because, because Jesus is saying, I've come for you. Walk with me. If you love me, you will obey my, obey my commands. This is not salvation by works, but if you love God, you, you cannot get to heaven without laying down your life. It, it's, about, it's about following Jesus. And there's, this, there's another scripture from Philippians. Therefore, my, my dear friends, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, it's, it's a walk. The day we give our life to Jesus, we start the walk. And we've got to keep walking and keep walking. And we've got to be guarding ourselves. I have to guard myself all the time. You know, I'm standing up here speaking to you today. But I've still got to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. I don't want to get it wrong. And, I, and if I don't walk the walk, and if I don't listen to what Jesus says and are obedient to what he says, then I'm going to miss it. So we go on to our um, uh, we go on to our story about the wise and the foolish builders. Now, um, we we sang that lovely song today. Do you know? I don't think there is another song that I know of that 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 touches this story. It's always that song. And if you look, and it's turned this story into a children's. So I love singing it. I love singing it with children. But it turns the story into a children's story. And it ends up, we didn't sing it, you know, the last verse is, um, 
So you must build your house upon the rock. You must build your house upon the rock. So you must build your house upon the rock. On the rock of Jesus Christ. Right? Building your house on the rock of Jesus Christ isn't simply getting the decision for Christ. It's about laying foundations. Perhaps in our, our society, a better picture is talking about houses built on foundations. That it's quite easy to put up a house. I'm not a builder. Andy Windsor's a builder, but I'm not. And, uh, uh, but I know enough to know that if you want to build a house that's substantial, you've got to dig some foundations. And often you look at a building site, don't you, and, and when they're putting up a building, for a long time you don't see anything. Nothing much seems to be happening because everything's going on underground, under the level of the floor. Often, you know, you can imagine a person in, in old days when it was done manually, you didn't even see the workers either because they were down there in the ground digging, digging, laying foundations. It takes a long time. But once those foundations are dug, you can put the house up. So you can either put the house up on light foundations with very little, or you can dig deep. And I think it's really, really, really important because in our society, we, we, want, to, we want to get places. I want to go there. I want to, get, I want to do well in my job. I want to get... I want, I want to be in this position by the time I'm 30. I want to be in this position by the time I'm 40. I want to have you know, power and I want to have honour and respect and money and, and all these things. You know. And so we get there as quickly as we can when actually sometimes God's saying, no, this, this is a longer job than that. You need to get your foundation sorted before we start building the house. Otherwise, the house will fall. Sooner or later, the house will fall. And um, foundations is character and motives. Building is ministry, works, and achievement. So what I mean is that we need to get our motives, our attitudes right in our lives before we start building our houses. What are they? Sermon on the Mount. We need to get these things deeply in our lives so that when we build the building, it's built on the right foundations. The building is what we actually do with it, our achievements. It might be a ministry, you know, I have, I have a big ministry. How many big ministries that you hear about have, have gone on the rocks because the foundations were never properly laid? But it's not, not necessarily about ministry. It can be about what you're doing at work, your job. It may be about your home. It's about anything that we do in our lives. But if we're going to achieve anything, we need to get these foundations right in our lives. And I guess, you know, if we've been around for a long time, maybe sometimes we need to redig those foundations to get them, to get them into a better place. Okay, so we're going to we're going to be put. We're not going to go on for a lot longer. But I'm coming back to the generous boundaries of God because I don't want to leave you with this rather, you know, rather fear fearful message that you know if I don't get it right, 
that I'm going to be, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm going to destruction. And I wanted to say, now, a, a week, a little story. Uh, a week back, I was Saturday, a week ago, I went and spent a day with um, Cedar Tree Counseling. We had a training day, and we were out in, uh, on, on uh, one of the, one of the counsellors has a farm in Little London. It's a small farm, it's a little farm. And we were out there and this lady uses her farm for her own counselling. She has horses that they use for therapy. They get people to go there and brush the horses and untangle, you know, and it's great. I, I love it. I've spent time there. It's great. She has sheep that will come up to you and nuzzle you and things like that. She has wild areas where you just go and, and, and walk. And then she has cultivated areas which are really, um, you know, beautifully done with nice statues and things in the, in the right places. Everything in her place is there for purpose. She has a, a, a house that was mid-1700s, seven, mid about 1750 it was built. She's got this beautiful old house. And she sends us out to, with various things, I won't go into that, but she sent us out to spend some time just going around the, the estate, meditating, thinking, doing things. There were a few odds and a few objectives, but basically just quietly walking around. Now what she said to it, she drew a map of her farm on a, on a, on a, a flip chart and with, with the boundaries around it. And she said, inside these boundaries, you can do anything. You can go anywhere, you can go in the fields, you can go through gates, you can go around, you can come into my house, you can go anywhere in my house, you can wander around any, anywhere you want to go, Please don't go through that gate, which is my neighbours. Please stay within the boundaries. And she has these horses, which she does for her therapy. And um, she said, and please don't touch the horses. Not because they're dangerous, but because she said that, you know, just if you go up and touch them, she says there's one that will dominate, will, will dominate you and will want you to... To, to, to nuzzle you and the others will get put out and distressed because they they're not getting a look in, something like that. Anyway, so I was really taken by the generosity of this woman's heart, opened up her home and everything was there for us, for the benefit of us. There were just two things, keep within the boundaries, don't touch the horses. Does that, does that story ring a bell to you somewhere else? And I just love animals. I just love animals. If I see an animal, I've got to go and, got to go and stroke it. And I wandered around this place, and I eventually got down to the bottom of a field, and there were the horses. And they were standing at the gate, and I came up to them. And they were, I was, I was wanting to go and pat the horses and stroke them, and they were obviously itching for me to go and do that, you know. And, and so I stood about six feet away from them and looked at them. And I wanted to stroke these horses, you know. Uh, but I'd been asked not to. And so I didn't. What I did do is I started praying over them. 
And when I thought these prayers were a bit weak and weary, I started praying in tongues over them. I really got going. It was wonderful. <laughs> Funnily enough, when we came back and they asked us to feed back on our stories, I told, told them the story. And another lady, unbeknown to me, had been sitting somewhere watching me. She said, I was just watching you to see whether you touched those horses. <laughs> What I saw was, I was just full of the generosity of this lady. And I see that this is God's heart for us. Here it all is. Enjoy it. Be free in it. It's just, these are the boundaries that are around it. Most of those boundaries are either for your safety or the safety of someone else. All right? Even the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sooner or later, God was going to say to Adam and Eve, now you can go and eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You've learned, you've developed, you've grown and matured. Now you're capable of taking it. Now you can go to that tree. That was God's will. That's what, that's what he wanted. But when they didn't understand, it was a matter of obedience. Don't do it because what will happen? Well, we all know what happened. God's, God wants us to be free. And, and when, we, when we see, when we see these, the Sermon on the Mount, we're not just, Jesus isn't just replacing the law of Moses with his own law. What he's saying is, here's a whole new environment. This is about motives, attitudes, things like that, get them right, and you can be free. You can be free. You can go anywhere, do anything you like. These are just the boundaries. See them as boundaries, things that are for your safety or for the safety of others. But everything else is open to you. you know? Well, of course, you know, you, know, you know what it's like, just me with those horses. I'm itching. But I didn't. And I was, I was so pleased. <laughs> oh, yes, I was so pleased. So, I've given, I'm ending up with two statements, two, two, two points. One is a key statement. This is my statement. This is one you know me. I love this statement. In, the, in God's kingdom, the way up is down. That is the whole a whole message of the, uh, you know, get down into the foundations, get your motives right, seek, sit, do, do all that, and, and the, you'll go up. That's right. The way up is down, and a key, key verse for you, from Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is what God wants for us. <coughs> don't seek. Don't seek your own happiness. Don't seek your, your career success. Don't seek loads of clothes, loads of money. Don't seek that. Seek first the kingdom. Right? Put your hand in the hand of Jesus. Follow him. Follow his ways. Follow his obedience. Watch his boundaries. Seek first the kingdom. And he's saying, if you do that, 
everything else will be added to you. Don't worry about them. And that's what he's saying, isn't he, in this thing. Don't worry. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom. Everything else will be added to you. And I think that's amazing. We need to grasp this. It's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard walk because it's a, narrow, it's a narrow gate that leads to life. It's hard. It's not easy. But if you trust Jesus and walk his way, it's a great life. Because it's the path that leads to life, both life now and life to come. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, just always, whatever we do, seek first the kingdom. Oh, if I, if I do this, I won't, it won't work out for me. Oh, if I give this away, I'll, 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 I'll lose. Whatever, whatever it is, seek first the kingdom. What does God want? The rest he'll, rest he'll, he'll do for you. So we just finish up with this. This is your assignment. <laughs> I really would recommend that you read this again for yourselves. Read it again. Three chapters. Do it in three days. One chapter a day. Won't, won't even interfere with the other five chapters a day that you always read. You know? so, uh, read it again. Read it Grasp the heart of Jesus talking to his disciples. Grasp the heart, what he's wanting to say. Both the joyful parts and the serious bits. Because we do have to work out our salvation with fear and trepidation. And then, if you are part of a small group, share what you, anything that God's told you. Something that relates to you particularly. Something that God speaks to you particularly. Share it with your small group or with a prayer triplet, or with a trusted friend, someone that you can trust. Just share it with them. Okay. I'm going to finish there. I'll just pray. <coughs> Father, we just thank you. Even the fact that we call you Father is just such an amazing step forward from the Old Testament to the New. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The promises of God are good. Father, we just come to you humbly. Teach us your ways, Lord. Show us your paths. Lord, show us how to embrace these words that we've been reading over the last few months. How to put them into practice. That, Lord, that you would search our own hearts and see if there's any wicked way. And, Father, root things out in us that are not right. Things that don't bring life. Things that, that we, we, we hang on to and miss out on life. Father, that we might change. Lord, that we might be freer. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, every one of us, every one of us in this room, is in a different situation. We are unique with unique problems, pressures, joys, blessings, sicknesses, illnesses. Everyone is different. But Father, we pray that you might be with, work with each one of us and each one of us, Lord, may be changed and different. Thank you, Lord, 
Thank you for this, the greatness of your love in our heart. Amen.